There we go. Let's look at our notes. You have your sermon notes? I encourage you to follow along with us as we look into this. In your sermon notes, or if you're on Vision, there are notes there provided for you. We're going to go deeper today. This isn't fluff today. We're going to go a little bit deeper in understanding what sanctification is. Look in your notes. Ian Thomas said this, To be in Christ, that is redemption, but for Christ to be in you, that's sanctification. Last time we were together, I told you the story of how I went to the district office for tea, which turned into an, a formal interview that did not go well. I went in to be licensed. For those of you that are visiting for the very first time, you have to be licensed to be with the Christian Missionary Alliance. And so I had candidated in a church, and the pastor that I was candidating under didn't know the process. And so as a result of that, I had to go afterwards to try to get her accredited but I didn't know anything about the Alliance. So I failed miserably. That's what happened. I told that story last weekend, but I this weekend I want to tell you a little bit more of the story that I'm not proud of either, but it fits in well with what we're going to talk about today. After I left that district office, I got in my car and I sat and I sobbed, knowing that I had missed a great opportunity. You see, because I didn't pass the accreditation, I could no longer be a candidate for that church in Manitoba. I was crushed. I felt betrayed. I even felt set up. And at the time, if you didn't graduate from an Alliance college, it was very difficult for you to get into an Alliance church. And so when I arrived back to my campus, all my fellow pastoral students knew that I had gone for this interview, and so they rallied around me to see how it went, and in my pain, which I think you can imagine, I painted a very critical picture and clearly stated that I would never, ever in my life be a pastor of an Alliance church or even attend an Alliance church. I was that bitter, friends. I was young. I was ignorant. And the more that I kind of festered on this, the deeper the hatred got, the more the bitterness began to rise up, and the more miserable I got. I sat broken, angry, disheartened, feeling so hard done by, and many people would come up to me and count, console, console me and testify that they were praying for me, and I thought that was nice. It was during this dark season of my life that, began to, that I began to get a glimpse how, how wretched I was, even though I was a follower of Jesus, and how much I needed God to work in my life. Have you ever looked into the mirror after a disappointment? After the tears have dried up? After the anger has dissipated and got a glimpse of how much you need God? How you knew you wanted to live a life of holiness and yet in your own strength? You just couldn't do it. You always messed up. 
that's the backdrop to what I want to share together because I know most of you can understand that experience of knowing that you want to live a life that reflects Jesus, but knowing that day after day after day after day, we just mess up. So the question I have to ask this morning is how to know if you are holy. Now let me read our passage from Ephesians chapter 3. If you have your Bible or if you have your app, open it up to Ephesians chapter 3 or for, if you're following along in the notes. Let's look at it. When I think of all this, Paul says, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ who made his home in your hearts as you trust in him, your roots will go down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is his love. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Will you pray with me? Father in heaven, we thank you that you know everything about us. You love us. You care for us. You guide us. You teach us. And so today, Lord Jesus, I ask that by your spirit, you will just come and minister to our hearts today. That you would make us aware of our need of you. And Lord, I just pray that you would empower me by your spirit as I share this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. The doctrinal statement of the Christian Missionary Alliance says, statement number seven of the statement of faith, it says this, it is the will of God that in union with Christ, each believer should be sanctified thoroughly by being separated from sin in the world and fully dedicated to God. Receiving power for holy living and sacrificial and effective service toward the completion of Christ's commission. This is accomplished through being filled with the Holy Spirit, which is both a distinct event and a progressive experience in the life of a believer. Sanctification is a big word, but let me give you a simple definition. In fact, you could just put these four words down. It means set apart, dedicated to. In the Old Testament, you will read of the utensils and the curtains, especially those items that were used in the tabernacle or in the temple. They were just ordinary things, ordinary items. But the high priest would set them apart from being common to being dedicated to serve God and the worship of God. 
So they were set apart and they were dedicated to. I don't want you to miss those four words because it'll be helpful for us to understand this. When you and I become believers, followers of Jesus, receiving Jesus into our lives by our confession of faith, you are immediately set apart from the rest of the human race. You're set apart from those that don't know God. From a life of sin and dedicated to a life to glorify God. Now turn to your neighbor this morning and say, today we're going to learn about how to be holy. Now turn back and say, I think you need this. If you haven't figured out, I'd like to have fun. You've missed it. So let's look at, what is a labor? What is that labor? The, the, the thing that's over there looks like a cup. Well, let me tell you what it says, what it is. A couple of things. In your notes, it's a large basin that holds water. And some of them were very large basins. King Solomon had labors that were capable of holding 230 gallons of water. But the first time you see labors mentioned in the Bible, it's when God instructed Moses to make a large bronze labor and place it between the tent of meetings where Moses would meet with God in the altar where the sacrifices were offered to God. The labor was used to hold the water that Aaron and his sons would use to wash their hands and feet before making offerings on the altar. It was holy water. But secondly, it's a symbol of spiritual cleansing. The labor symbolizes the sanctifying grace of God, which provides daily cleansing from sin through the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. Once again, if you read the Old Testament, you will discover that both men and women were daily involved with a cleansing. They would go into a mikvah, a gathering of water, and it had to be running water. It couldn't be stale water. It couldn't be stagnant water. It had to be water that was flowing. Because when they were rendered unclean because of some activity during the day, they were required to go down into the mikvah, immerse themselves completely, and come out the other side of the water, cleansed from their defilement. For us today, we don't, we're not required to to, to fit this physical act of cleansing. As we see how God has provided this cleansing in the person and work of Jesus. God has done his part through Jesus. And in a few moments, we'll discover our part. So when can I be sanctified? It's a great question. What does this when does this act of sanctification happen? I believe there are two parts to sanctification. Now, I'm going a little deep here today, so hang in there. Number one, at the point of salvation, which is when you are positionally sanctified, when you choose to surrender your life to admit and to commit and accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, immediately there is a transaction that takes place in the heavenlies. You and I go from being an enemy of God due to our sinfulness to being a friend of God. Look at the passage in Hebrews chapter 10. And in accordance with his will of God, we who believe in the message of salvation have been sanctified. That is set apart 
as holy for God and his purposes through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed, the anointed once for all. I want you to underline, underline or circle, have been sanctified. It's past tense. The minute that you and I accept Jesus Christ into our hearts, we acknowledge our sin and we ask him to come and take residence in our life. We are sanctified positionally. It's done. Now here's the question for you this morning. I love this question. I love having fun with this question this morning. How many of you, of you here today who are Christians, who cross the line and, and, and have a faith in Jesus, would say that you're a sinner saved by grace? Put up your hand. How many of you would say that you're a saint who sometimes sins? Both of them are true. But many of us operate out of the first one and not out of the second one. In Acts chapter 9, verse 13, Luke records about the saints in Jerusalem. In 9 verse 32, it says the saints in Lydia. In fact, Paul, whenever he writes a church, whether it be Rome, whether it be Ephesus or Philippi, he starts out with these words. To the sinners saved by grace in Ephesus. No, he doesn't. He says to the saints in Ephesus. To the saints in Rome. And if you want a great passage of scripture, look at Romans chapter 15, because there are three times when he refers to his friends as saints. At the moment you accept Jesus, you were a sinner saved by God's grace, but then you were declared righteous, which means you are a saint. The Bible says that you're clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. When God looks at you, when God looks at me, he doesn't see all of my iniquities. He doesn't see all of your iniquities and your shortcomings. He sees Jesus and a robe of righteousness that he provided for us. Isn't that awesome? Got it? I know I, I'm dyslexic. I should say get it first, right? Get it? Good. Just prove every day I'm human, okay? So understand who you are in Christ today. Ephesians 1, the Bible says, And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you, and when you believe in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that has, he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. You see, this explains that when we first accept Jesus as Savior, we sense that guilt of our past is all gone. We, we remember that, don't we? The freedom. The baggage is gone. And then we begin to see life in light of our new relationship with Jesus, and we begin to understand 
that we don't have to live a life enslaved to sin. And then something or some experience comes into your life that brings, you to, the, brings to the forefront that how we want to live and how we are living is beginning to feel more like a battle than we are winning. If you were in this period, do not despair. This is purposeful. The second point of you and I experiencing the sanctifying work of the Spirit is at the point of crisis. And it's a progressive work. And this is what I call experiential sanctification. So what is a crisis experience? In your notes. When the Holy Spirit begins to show you your need. How do you know your need? Well, let me go back to my story. Graduation came, still no job. I'd picked up a labor job since the college was building a new food services building. In addition to this, on the weekends, I became the night watchman from 11 p.m. to 6 a.m., Friday night and Saturday. Still waiting. Still nothing. What was God saying to me? One day I felt the nudge. Just, and here's how I know when the Spirit leads me, friends. There's, he, gives me a, he gives me a prompting and I can't let go of it. I can't dismiss it. I've got to respond to it. And so I got this prompting that I needed to go into Moose Jaw and stop at an Alliance Church. Now remember what I had said a few months before. Some other place would freeze over before I'd go back to an Alliance church. And I thought I needed to talk to the pastor who I had never met. It was simply a step of faith. And so I knocked on the door and he was available and I asked if I could come in and speak to him. And I said, I told him what happened. I wept in front of him, not even knowing who he was. And I said at the end, I said, the district superintendent said that if I wanted to come back and try again, that they would be open to it. And we talked some more. And the pastor said to me, why not go back and apply? At this point, I was desperate. I said, pastor, I would, but obviously I don't know anything about the alliance. How can I prepare and he swiveled around on his chair to his bookcase that was behind him. And he pulled down four books. And he tossed them on the, his desk. And he said, take these and read them. He said, just showing up will say a great deal to them. Folks, can I say to you this morning, if you want to hear God's voice pointing out your need, you need to do two things. You need to trust Him, and you need to surrender to Him. For the next several months, I would read and study, and if you would have pulled onto the campus on the weekend after hours, you would have seen my truck parked under a streetlight where I was taking notes as I was reading a book. 
I was studying. I really sensed that this was something God wanted me to do. And the day came when I felt ready, as ready as I thought I could be. So I called the district office and made another appointment to go visit the hatchet group. It just happened to be that that Monday was my birthday. And so after I made the appointment, I received a call to consider candidating the weekend before at an evangelical church in Meeting Creek, Alberta. And if you've ever been to Meeting Creek, Alberta, the only thing that meets there is the creek and the corner store. So I made a deal with God, <laughs> something I don't always recommend. I said, if I pass my test on Monday, then I will say no to the church. But if I don't pass my test, I'll say yes to the church. Pretty, pretty, you get that one, right? So I went to the weekend, and we candidated. It was an incredible experience, and I had said to the chairman of the board, you need to know, I need 24 hours. I've got to find out about this test. And I drove back home to, to Briarcrest, and by the time I got home, my phone was ringing. The chairman of the board said, but we want you to come. And I said, you know I told you I had to go to a meeting tomorrow. I'll call you tomorrow night. So off I went to my appointment the next morning. This time I came in. They knew who I was. And as I walked in that office, I walked by that picture of A.B. Simpson and I knew who he was this time. The same four men with their arms crossed. And we began. At the end, the district superintendent said, Bob, congratulations, you've successful pa successfully passed the accreditation exam. That's the good news. The bad news is we don't have a church for you to go to. Remember my deal? On the way home, I wrestled with God. He answered my prayer, but now I was in a bigger pickle. Like, holy cow, I had to say no to the church that was going to be a paycheck, was going to give me an opportunity to take care of my family Or I was going to go over the Alliance and didn't have a church. You see, sanctification is both a crisis and a progressive work. In my life, a great deal of progressive work has come in the form of, write this down, waiting, trusting, surrendering. A.B. Simpson said this, the experience of sanctification comes out of man's own spiritual struggles but it's the direct work of Christ, the author of sanctification. But before we discuss how to experience Christ as our sanctifier, for a couple of minutes, let me consider what it means and what it looks like to walk in the fullness of the Spirit. I don't have time, but I encourage you sometime today to go home and read John chapter 15. Because he talks about the, the vine and the branches. When you remain in the flow of the Holy Spirit, as Jesus describes in John chapter 15, you begin to see incredible things happen. There are three things I want you to quickly write down, and then we've got to go. Number one, purity. You live a life of purity. You'll bear much fruit. Second is power. 
We can ask whatever we want. And we're, when we're in the flow of the Spirit, we will be able to ask what it is we want. And, and lastly, joy. He does this so our joy will be complete. Let me ask you three questions this morning. In Galatians chapter 5, it talks to us about the fruit of the Spirit. Can I ask you to think about this question in your life today? What kind of fruit is evident in your life? But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Take some time today and say, Lord, where is their joy? Where is their peace? Where is their self-control? Where is their gentleness? And secondly, does your life give evidence of a spiritual power at work? Is there courage? Is there boldness in sharing your faith? Is there in their boldness in responding to God, leading you and guiding you as you go throughout this day? And the last one is, how is your joy factor? Especially during hard time. If you can't answer these questions, you may be a great candidate to understand how to know Christ is your sanctifier. A mother and her daughter were out shopping one day trying to make the, the most of a big sale weekend before Christmas. And they went from store to, to store in the mall and the older woman complained about everything. She complained about the crowds. She complained about the poor quality of the merchandise. She complained about the prices. She complained about the weather. She complained about her sore feet. After the mother experienced a particularly difficult interaction with a clerk in one of the department stores, she turned to her neighbor and said these words, I'm never going back to that store again. Did you see the dirty look she gave me? To which the daughter in her wisdom answered, she didn't give that to you, mom. You had it when you went in. Here's what I know. You can't be full of criticism and full of the Spirit at the same time. You can't be full of an offense and be filled with the Spirit at the same time. You can't be filled with a grudge. You can't be filled with bitterness. You can't be filled with hatred. Do I have to go on? Friends, just as you decided to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, you must receive Jesus Christ as your sanctifier where you will bear fruit. I'm running out of time. So how do I experience Christ as sanctifier? Can you hang on? I, I heard I speed up as I get close to the end. Get it? Good. I'll try not to go too fast. So how do I experience Christ as my sanctifier? Number one, admit your need. In the book of Romans, Paul does a masterful job in describing the struggle with wanting to live a life of holiness and the stubborn power of the Holy Spirit nature, or the, the sinful nature that we all possess. Look at what it says 
in your notes. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Basically what he is saying in the verses prior to it, he's saying the, the, good, is, the good things that I want to do, they're the things I can't do. and The things I don't want to do, they're the things that I do do. And so he's basically struggling back and he's, it's a description of what it is to be walking in the flesh. Dr. Keith Bailey, a former Alliance president, said this, a thirsty soul has never come to God and gone away disappointed. God does not give the blessing to those who are indifferent. He rather would bring chastening into their lives to awaken them to their need so they will begin to hunger and thirst and to long to live for God. Seeing my need for the Holy Spirit to go from being resident in my life to being president of my life points you and I to the reality that only Jesus can deliver us from the struggle. Are you tired of struggling in your own efforts? Number two, believe that Jesus is your sanctifier. You must go from believing that he can do all of this on your own to believing that it will never be a part, it will never happen, pardon me, a part of the work of the Spirit in your life. Look at what it says in Paul's writings here. I'm writing to the church in Corinth to whom have been called by God to be his holy people. He made you holy by means of Christ Jesus just as he did for all people everywhere who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. God did not desire you to live a life of frustration, a life of fear, a life of failure. So what can you do to move from this to a life of fulfillment? The next point, ask for the filling of the Holy Spirit. A country church was having their annual revival meeting, and one night the preacher preached this message about repentance and the need to return to the Lord. And at the altar call, a man came down the aisle saying, Fill me, Lord! The next night, the preacher challenged the congregation with the need to totally surrender their lives to Christ in complete obedience. And again, the altar call was extended, and like the night before, the same man came down the aisle saying, Fill me, Lord! Third night of the revival, the preacher warned his congregation of the evils of sin and urged the congregation to live lives of holiness. And again, the invitation was made to give one's life to Christ. And this, the same man came up the aisle saying, fill me, Lord. And somebody from the back said, don't do it, Lord, he leaks. This is where there tends to be some confusion. Due to the fact that there are many words used in the New Testament that refer to the filling or baptism of the Holy Spirit. From my perspective, it's not a once-for-all filling, and you'll see this in a few minutes. There, is, there, there has to be a starting point where we surrender our lives utterly and completely to the work and the power of the Holy Spirit. We come to the end of ourselves and we reach out to the promise of the sanctifying work of the Spirit Jesus said in Luke chapter 11, if you, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more would your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? 
for a moment, let's discuss the two extremes when it comes to this. People tend to swing from one extreme to the other. It's either fear or it's all feelings. We fear that God desires of us, so we run away due to our sinfulness and our unworthiness. John chapter 15, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. We realize that our daily sanctification is dependent upon our willingness to surrender to him. Or seeking an experience or feeling is evidence that we've been filled. A.B. Simpson taught the full realm of the spiritual gifts. To discover this, start with 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 14. When it comes to the gift of tongues, he instructed people to seek, seek not and forbid not. And someone would say, and you better not. What I love about the alliance and Simpson was so balanced about this is that we need to avoid both extremes here. Don't be obsessed with, a, with seeking an experience because that it's all about the experience and not Jesus. As I read in the New Testament, especially Paul writes about the church as like a human body. The church gives gifts so the body is complete. No church is one-sided, just like none of us are just one tongue. How do we smell what we can't hear? In this past week in my old district in a prayer conference, by the way, the prayer conference is always in Lake Louise. It's so great to suffer for Jesus. All my friends were there. One year we had a speaker who talked about walking in the Spirit like wading into a river. Allowing the spirit to flow out of our lives. It's a beautiful image. When each of us are operating in our gifts, submitting to God, respecting and loving each other, which is, by the way, the greatest expression of being filled with the spirit. When we bear the fruit of the spirit, we are filled with the spirit. God will empower us to be witnesses. Here we go. Another, the next one. Surrender your life to the Holy Spirit. What is one of the symbols of the Holy Spirit in Scripture? It's water. When you search the Scriptures, Jesus talks about being living water. In John chapter 7, Jesus said, on the last day, the climax of the festival, that was the festival of tabernacles, by the way, and every day during that festival, they would pour water. It was a reminder of how God provided in the wilderness water from a rock. But on the eighth day, no water was supposed to be spilt because we were to pray for water. But look what it says. Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the, spirit, the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from, this, from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone who believed in him, but the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not entered into his glory. And what does Jesus say when he is the living water? He actually grabs a pitcher of water and he throws it on the ground, which was a scandal. But he was declaring, I'm the water. I'm the one that gives life. Here's a practical way to daily surrender to the Holy Spirit's work. Take a shower. And while you're washing and rinsing, 
Now, I'm, I'm making an assumption that you all shower. But while you're washing and rinsing, say a prayer of confession as you wash off the dirt and ask God to cleanse you anew for this day. And while you're rinsing, ask God for a fresh filling of his power so that you may experience the power of the living water. Every morning, offer everything, your body, your mind, your dreams, your conversations, your meetings, offer them to God and then start to walk in awareness. Number six, abide in the Holy Spirit. Remain in me as I remain in you, for a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Keep connected to the sanctifier. Years ago, Charles Haddon Spurgeon wrote in his book, All of Grace, these words, if you yield yourself to his divine working, the Lord will alter your nature. He will subdue the old nature and breathe a new life in you. Put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and he will take the stony heart out of your flesh and he will give you a heart of flesh. Where everything was hard, everything will be tender. Where everything was vicious, everything will be virtuous. Where everything tended downward, everything shall rise up with impetuous force. The lion of anger will give place to the lamb of meekness. The raven of uncleanliness shall fly before the dove of purity, and the veil of the vial of a serpent of deceit shall be trodden under the heel of truth. That's the work of the transforming Holy Spirit in our lives. And then lastly, daily walk in the fullness of the Spirit. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs of the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father in everything, for in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to look at that. It says, if we're filled with the Spirit, we speak to one another in psalms. If we're filled with the Spirit, we will be grateful and thankful Listen to the words of Elizabeth Elliot. Her husband was murdered when they were missionaries in Ecuador years ago. One does not surrender a life in an instant. That which is lifelong can only be surrendered in lifetime. Nor is surrender to the will of God per se adequate to the power of, to the fullness of the power in Christ. Maturity is the accomplishment of years, and I can only surrender to the will of God as I know what that will is. Remember I said it's not just a once and for all surrender. Friends, it's a constant surrender. Minute by minute, hour by hour, Day by day, you get the picture. So here's the question. Are you ready to be open with your heart and life to receive God's gift of sanctification? Because he's just waiting for you to ask. If we had time, I would point out to you several surrenders in my own life that took me to a new depth of my walk with God. It all started with the decision to open my heart to God and to walk into that river and allow him to flow through me. 
Today can be that distinct event in your life, a day when you can mark down in your calendar as a turning point in your life. A day when you ask God to fill you with his Holy Spirit, empower you to live a life holy and serve him effectively. So I'm going to ask the worship team to join me here this morning. In just a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to to pray to receive God's gift of sanctification. I encourage you to open up your heart as we sing this song to be receptive to the work that God wants to do in your life. Will you pray with me? Let's stand together. Lord, I thank you for the lives that are standing in response to your work in their lives. I ask that as we pray together that you will make this a pivotal event in the history of our lives, even in the history of our church. As I lead us in prayer, would you pray along with me in your heart that this is what you sense God is inviting you to do? Lord, you've got my attention. You've called me to be holy, to be set apart for you and to your purposes. And I don't want to live the rest of my life in defeat. I'm tired of this joyless, fruitless, frustrating life. I desperately need your help. I need a fresh encounter with you by the power of your Holy Spirit. And I confess that I've been trying to run my own life and to do things my own way instead of your way. And Lord, I choose to die to self, to die to my dreams, to getting my own way, to the sinful attitudes and actions that I've hung on to that have kept me from being all that you want me to be. And I choose now to surrender to Jesus' lordship in my life once and for all. Jesus, I'm opening up my life to allow you to live your life through me. I give you control of my actions, my words, my thoughts, so that when people look at me, they see a reflection of you. Fill me up with your love so that I can love God and others in the same way you do. Lord, I ask that you would fill me to overflowing with your Holy Spirit. I ask that you would infuse me with your power to live a holy life, to serve you effectively. From this day on, I dedicate my life to God. I'm yours. Have your way in my life. I ask you to renew my mind to help me change the way I think by fixing my mind on what is true and lovely and noble and right. And help me to go and get into your word so that I can line up my life with your plan of my life. Lord, thank you for your gift of sanctification. I want to begin a fuller, deeper, richer relationship with you. I want to be changed by a dynamic, life-changing encounter with you, Holy Spirit, so that I can become all that you've meant me to be when you first created me, Lord. I love you, Lord. If that's been your prayer this morning, while we sing this song, Our prayer team is off to my right. 
if you just sense God saying, yes, I need you to experience this today. Well, while we're singing, would you just move over? Just quietly just go as we're singing over to this area where our prayer team are assembled for you. And they will, they are, they would love to pray with you and meet the deepest need of your life. Father, may we experience Jesus, our sanctifier, in whose name we pray. Amen.